if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, and away we go. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are ready to rock here on this Thursday edition of The Authority. It is the 29th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2021, and we are loaded for bear. Not necessarily with just great guests, although I do have great guests, but with tremendous uh, reaction, important reaction. This is, again, a theft of Larry Elder's catchphrase, but we have a country to save. And last night, we were treated to, um, well, let me rephrase, we were informed of exactly how much work we have to do to save this country against this extraordinary socialist Marxist takeover. And after last night, listening to Joe Biden for an hour, it can be viewed as nothing less. To describe it as anything less than a full-on Marxist socialist takeover is to be deluding one's self. So what do you say we get underway? I want to uh, start by giving you our daily Pledge of Allegiance. So patriots, please stand. Put your hand over your hearts. If you're driving, don't stand. Just put your hand on your heart. And if you are a leftist, well, go ahead and take your knee because here we go. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Coming up on the program in a half an hour, a little bit less, Grover Norquist, President, Americans for Tax Reform, will join us to react to last night's abomination. We are literally looking at now a $6.2 trillion tax and spend proposal combining three different America blank acts in the first 100 days of a man's presidency. Let me say that again so that you understand the scope of it. $6.2 trillion. I'm saying that very deliberately. T-R-T-R. trillion. In other words, about one-third, a little bit less than than our current existing national debt, which stands over $20 trillion. In 100 days, 
He has proposed spending $6.2 trillion of your tax dollars that you don't even have. And neither, neither do they. For what can only be described as cradle-to-grave big government. They want to dole out to you everything that they think you need. Keywords they think. And that's the problem with socialist government. That's the problem with communist government. That's the problem with the Marxist government. The government decides what you need. And you don't get to earn more than what you need. If you do earn more, we will take it from you. Through higher capital gains taxes, through higher corporate tax rates, in every possible way that they can, they will take it from you so that they can give it to someone else according to their need, as they see it. Cradle-to-grave, big government handouts to the point where nobody can or wants to work and earn on their own because they can't keep their earnings anyway. It's all going to be confiscated by the big, progressive, Marxist government who will then turn around and hand out what they think you need. And slowly but surely over time, that amount gets a little bit smaller, a little bit smaller, a little bit more minimal. And by the time you're starving to death, you didn't even know it. The old adage of the boiling frog, or the frog in the warm water, who doesn't realize that it's getting warmer and warmer and warmer to the point where it is no longer sustainable, it is no longer able to be survived in until you're dead. So that's what literally we heard last night. A massive call for $6.2 trillion-ish in new spending. And we are going to have to discuss every single bit of this. So Grover Norquist and I will be talking about this at six, or excuse me, at nine thirty-five. Then at ten ten, Paris Denard of the RNC comes by with his review of not just Biden's speech last night, but the tremendous speech that was given in rebuttal by a guy that I and many many other commentators on radio and television have been saying for the last several years now is a rising star in GOP politics. I got to tell you. I have a simultaneous urging and uh, uh, fear of the 2024 presidential cycle primaries in the Republican Party. How can I have a simultaneous fear and urging or, or, or anticipation of it? Because I can't wait to see the stars come out. But I fear it because I can't pick one yet. I can't pick a winner. I can't figure out who to endorse or who to vote for. Because I love so much about Ron DeSantis. And I love so much about Tim Scott. And I love so much about Christy Nome. And I love so much about Mike Pompeo. And I love so much about Ted Cruz. And I love so much about so many stars and rising stars in the Republican Party who I think can truly lead this country back from the socialist disaster that is in the making. Um But I'll tell you what, Tim Scott really burnished his credentials last night, did he not? The most important thing, of course, that Tim Tim Scott said, the thing that has driven leftists over the edge, if you are to judge leftism by social media, and you should, because uh, social media is controlled by leftists. And I mean that both in the uh, moderator forums, in the offices of the CEOs of big tech, and among the users. Big tech 
is owned by liberals. So if you want to know what liberals think, look at big tech, look at look at Twitter, look at Facebook, look at social media. And the thing that they were the most a- angered about last night had nothing to do, nothing to do with the mess that Joe, uh, Joe Biden called for. The thing that angered them the most was having a black man stand on national TV delivering the rebuttal and saying, Today, kids are being taught that the color of their skin defines them again. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. And there it is. And there it is. One more time. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. And that has just put the left over the edge. If you think reasonable people, and by reasonable people, of course, I mean conservatives, were put over the edge by Joe Biden and his $6.2 trillion of new spending, tax and spend, Democrat economics, uh, you haven't seen anything until you see the reaction of the left to Tim Scott declaring clearly and unambiguously, Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. They were so outraged last night, they took to Twitter and got Uncle Tim, a play on Uncle Tom, trending as Tim Tim Scott was speaking. Oh, my gosh. And they're livid. And I look, I, I know it because I study it, and I hear people who have been part of it, They are livid that another black man got off of the Democrat plantation. He refuses to be enslaved, metaphorically, of course, and ideologically, by Democrat lies. He refuses to believe that he is a perpetual victim and that black people are less than and that black people cannot achieve in this great country because this country is so racist and systemically uh, uh, intended upon keeping the black man down. He refuses to believe that this country is still not the greatest place on earth for people who are black or brown in skin tone to achieve and to survive and to thrive and to experience the American dream. He wants everybody to know. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. And the fact that he has gotten off of the plantation is just, uh, it's, it's the, the worst possible outcome for them, for the leftists. So we have a lot to break down this morning. We're going to talk about more about Tim Scott's speech. I'm going to let you hear more about his rebuttal, because typically, as you probably know how these things go, whenever there is a State of the Union address, not the last night's was, it wasn't declared as such, but it had the kind of, you know, it was effectively a State of the Union address. That's why the rebuttal is, is heard like some tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of the people who watch the actual address sit around and listen to the rebuttal. So it's buried after the fact, late at night. And I don't know if everybody heard Tim Scott. I'm going to make sure you hear enough of him today so you get a real understanding of what he said. And, of course, we will talk more about what Joe Biden said. And I want to hear what you say. 
216-901-0945-888-281-1110. We'll bring you up on the radio. Don't forget, 935, we'll have Grover Norquist. At 1010, we'll have Paris Denard of the RNC. And I want to hear from you as well as we continue on The Authority. Okay, 922, we continue. A little uh, Thursday morning reaction, the aftermath, if you will, of uh, Joe Biden's first speech to the joint session of Congress. It's something that should have happened two months ago, but he finally decided to come out from the basement uh, after uh, calling a lid on uh, his 100 days and uh, stepping out and speaking. And what he had to say was simply just... Actually, before we talk about what he had to say, I want to join the chorus of people who just look on with incredulity at the President of the United States in a one-quarter filled chamber, filled with all vaccinated people, standing up there more than six feet away from everybody, wearing a gosh darn mask. This is the same man who embarrassed himself and projected weakness to the rest of the world at the China or excuse me at the climate summit last week when it was a massive climate summit on Zoom. And if you saw the video, you know the television grid or the computer screen grid of all the world leaders that were in that summit. Every one of them was barefaced except for one. Joe Biden sitting in a room by himself on a Zoom call by himself, had a mask on his face, projecting nothing but weakness, fear, and a lack of belief in science. And that's exactly what he did again last night. And sitting behind him, he walks onto that stage to see a masked Nancy Pelosi, and he elbow taps her. Then he walks over to see a masked Kamala Harris, and elbow bumps her. Wouldn't shake hands. They're all vaccinated. The CDC literally just said, if everybody is vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you can indeed not wear masks in those crowds, in those settings. Now, what the CDC ought to say is the truth, that in 14 months of this crap, There is still zero. That's a goose egg, a donut, nil, nada, zero evidence scientifically that masking stops the transmission of the coronavirus in the general public. Maybe in a couple of sterile settings in a lab or in a research facility, when they strap it and secure it to the every single pocket in the uh, folds of one of the masks is secured to the cheeks of the dummy that they have uh, in the in the testing facility to say, look at that, look at that, the mask keeps stuff out and keeps other stuff in. When there's no room whatsoever, but of course with human beings moving, pushing it up and down, taking it on and off, and it of course having all kinds of gaps and pockets in the cheeks and around the nose and under the chin. 
In real life, masks don't work for squat crap. Okay? In real life. And especially when you are all fully vaccinated for this virtue signaling, cognitive declining, lying Marxist old man to come in there in a room full of vaccinated people and have everybody masked up is just science denial. That's just the reality of it. It is science denial. There is no scientific basis or argument or research whatsoever for Harris and Pelosi and Biden all wearing masks up there. It is simply fear-mongering. It is control. The left is going, it's called setting a good example for the children. No, it is called scaring the bejesus out of the dumb. It is called scaring the living daylights out of people too stupid to know any better, or, in the case of children, too young to know any better. It's reprehensible, and it should be called out for what it is. All right. Now to the point, or the the, the most important point here, rather, of $6.2 trillion dollars. Between the American Families Plan and the American uh, COVID Relief Plan and the American Jobs Plan and all these other America this, America that, America this, America that. We are now talking about over $6 trillion that uh, have been decided to have been spent in 100 days, actually less than 100 days. Among them, the new plan, the American Families Plan, which is probably going to be redubbed eventually the Education Plan. Biden declared last night that there should be four more years of free college in addition to free K-12, to or excuse me, four more years of free education, in addition to free K-12, and that those four years uh, in college should absolutely be paid for by the taxpayers for everybody. Literally, he said, all Americans, quote, the American Families Plan guarantees four additional years of public education for every person in America. I've got news for you. It's going to take more than $1.8 trillion to do that in perpetuity unless you've got a sunset clause, number one. And number two, what makes you think, you babbling buffoon, that every person in America wants to go to college? Or is college material? Or has any desire or ability whatsoever to succeed in your free college? For Tens of millions of non-academically oriented people, which is a way of saying people who don't like or are not good at school, but can be very good at other things to contribute to society. Tens of millions of them are going to say, what? You're going to let me go for free? I get to go live in a dorm and drink for four years and party and not have to get a degree that I wasn't going to get anyway because I had no interest in college. But now that you're going to let me go, hell yeah, I'll do it, and I'll delay being an adult until I'm 26 instead, or until I'm 22 instead of 18. The universal preschool expansion on the front end as well. So again, when I said cradle to grave, I meant it. Starting in preschool, free preschool for every kid. And, you know, that's a, that's a noble gesture, I suppose. Again, if it wasn't something that was going to be paid for, by all Americans in the form of higher taxes. $200 billion right out of the gate. The community college expansion, $109 billion. None of these would be capped by income. We are literally talking about 
the biggest tax and spend proposal in American history, $6 trillion plus in 100 years. No president has ever outlined such an ambitious and destructive to the entirety of the United States economy type of plan in American history. So we're going to have to talk about taxation. We're going to have to talk about what all of those plans would mean to you. And we're not just talking about income tax. We're talking about your boss's corporate taxes. We're talking about capital gains taxes. We're talking about death taxes. We're talking about all of it. As a matter of fact, after this news break, Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform, will join us to analyze right here on AM 1420. The All right, 936 now. We continue on AM 1420. The answer reaction to last night's speech, actually pair of speeches. Uh, Joe Biden spoke for an hour and essentially outlined the most ambitious and reckless tax and spend proposal in the history of the American presidency. Over $6 trillion in the form of three different acts, all within the first 100 days. And then we heard reason and sense and unity from Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina in the rebuttal. Joining us now to talk about the former more than the latter is the president and founder of Americans for Tax Reform, Grover Norquist. Grover, good morning. How are you? I am doing reasonably well. Reasonably well? Not so much. I, I kind of thought you were, you would just be just bouncing off the walls as you watched this yesterday. I mean, my goodness gracious. You know, people think that, well, some people think that taxes are just about whatever their individual income tax rate is. When you hear Joe Biden, bam, you know, you know, rambling on and on and on about, uh, uh, you know, you need to pay your fair share of the richest 1%, these wealthy corporate people, nobody under $400,000 is going to see a tax increase, but somehow we're going to make the top, you know, 10% or so of earners, which already shoulders the vast majority of the tax burden, we're going to make them pay for $6.5 trillion over the course of the next 10 years in Democrat spending proposals. I figured you were probably off the walls yesterday. Uh, only because I expected this. Uh, Biden did tell us this was going to happen. He t- tended to say it in ways that the press didn't cover it. Uh, but he said he was going to abolish all of the Trump tax cuts. Uh, he wanted to take the corporate rate back up to 35%. His staff said, no, 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 he really meant 28%. Uh, the Democrats in the, in the Senate are saying, yeah, maybe 25%. Uh, here's the, the good news is that they're not going to go as that high as they wanted. Uh, the bad news is at 24%, at 25%, okay, let's, mm-hmm. say, let's say the moderate Democrats win, and they only take the corporate income tax up to one quarter of what a company uh, earns, that will make us uncompetitive with China. Because China's at 25, we'd be at 25. Oh, except we have state and local average six. So you're up about 30%. Uh, so you say, run invest in China, they'll only take 25. You run invest in the United States, they'll take 30%. Federal, state, and local together. European average, 23.5. Even less competitive with Europe. So the president's attack on business, on corporations, is an attack on your jobs and your children's jobs because people deciding where should we build the next factory with the guys who take 30% or the guys who take uh, 25%. Which one, which one do you like? Oh, and by the way, you really believe for a moment that that, you know, the compromise, he said he wanted 35, he said he'd take 28, maybe he has to take 25 this time. If he sticks with 28, then you're up over 30% or 32%. You're not competitive at all with anybody in the rest of the world. Uh, you know, studies show that 
about 50 to 70% of the corporate income tax comes out of workers in lower pay. Think about this. When we cut taxes, we took the corporate rate down from 35. This is the Republican bill from 35 down to 21. Two years into that tax cut, 2019, 2019, in one year, the median income, absolute middle income person, family in this country, saw their need, the income go up 6.8% in that one year, $4,400. Okay? Now, the average goes, if Bill Gates made an extra billion, then the average would go up a little bit, right? Bill Gates makes an extra book. Doesn't move the median. The median's the middle one. So tens of millions of Americans saw real, permanent, sustainable increases in their pay because the corporate rate went down. What happens when Biden walks it back the other direction? We sadly know the answer to that, and it's not well, good. Well, you know, you know the answer to that. Uh, and a lot of economists know the answer to that who are not courageous enough to tell the American people because they agree with the agenda here. That's the problem that I have because he goes out there and he'll, he'll say, as he did again last night, I don't want to raise the taxes on any American who makes less than $400,000 a year, trying to get us all to believe that we will not suffer under tax increases on those making over $400,000 a year, the business owners, the corporate owners, the ones who employ all of the rest of us then you add to it he wants to go capital gains at 44 percent screwing all of these hard-working under four hundred thousand dollar a year earners um uh um 401ks and iras and kids education funds and everything else so the idea that he is not going to harm or or overtax middle to lower middle class america is just a blatant lie and i want to know why more economists aren't just calling it out for what it is uh, because many of them work for the government or for universities, which are extensions of government, and they know which side their bread is buttered on. Uh, one thing for all your listeners to keep in mind, when you pay your utility bills, if the federal government puts a tax on the utility, the utility by law passes that on to you as a consumer. When the Republicans cut the corporate income tax, uh, there were billions of dollars that companies that we, we, count, we counted at least 900 companies that publicly made announcements, but they all did it. Saying, we are now reducing our utility bills for people by this amount because that's the amount of the tax that we used to pay to Washington and we don't have to do that anymore. So we are passing on that saving. By law, when Biden and the Democrats raise the corporate rate, remember the, the thing that only corporations pay, that will go and translate immediately through your utility bill, every month you will get hit and poked in the eye by Biden's tax that doesn't affect you by raising the utility costs because by law, you know, the government puts an extra cost on, then you get to pass it on to somebody, to the consumers, which is what people do. Uh, th- there are many ways, and as you point out, 401ks and IRAs, not the top 1%. Biden is so old. That he, when he talks to people in Scranton during the campaign, I don't know why anyone cares about the stock market. None of you guys have stocks, right? <laughs> they were all in cars, so nobody could hear them talk back, right? They were safely distancing each other, sitting in cars. And, but when Biden was a young man, 10% of Americans owned shares of stock directly. Today, 53% of households, 53, Biden's not very good at math, but 53 is a bigger percentage than one percentage, or one tenth of one percent, or one hundredth of one percent. 53, more than half of American households, have their life savings in 401ks and IRAs and or uh, IRAs. When you raise the corporate rate, you reduce the after-tax income of every company in America. And as 
<laughs> as you know, what makes a company worthwhile is its after-tax cash flow, not its before-tax income. That doesn't matter to anybody. Can't pay bills with that. I uh, can't hire people with that. So you're going to see your 401k, your IRA, your savings for your child's uh, education reduced in value from what it would be otherwise. Now, we're going to have six months of growth here. Why? Because the Democrats have put their knee on the neck of the American economy in about 11 states and haven't let it up yet. Okay? South Dakota, they never shut down in South Dakota. Unemployment's 3% in South Dakota. Um, Florida, they opened up. Remember, they were, everyone was going to die in Florida, we were told? Yeah. But New York is where they were busy killing people, uh, you know, in, in old folks' homes by putting knowingly ill people, infected people, into old folks' homes because the hospitals, which contributed to Cuomo's campaign, didn't want them in hospitals. Um, and Cuomo actually passed a law that said, you know, if you take these people in an old folks' home, you won't be sued. So <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Um, and he went with his donors, not the science. His politicians are going to go with the science. No, Cuomo went with his donors. Uh, and so we've seen that the states that have opened up have lower unemployment now by a couple points already. They have stronger growth than the states that didn't open up. So when California finally opened, they've announced they're going to open up in a month because they're recalling the governor. Exactly. Michigan's thinking about letting up because they've got an initiative to take away all her superpowers as a, as a dictatorist um, because of the emergency. Right. So the, the D governors are being pushed into this, uh, and, and who knows how long they'd go. I've even seen them say, you know what we should do? We should keep these emergencies in as a way to make everybody do what we want for global warming. How about that? If we can make them wear masks, I bet we can make them all bike to work. Well, yeah, well, I'm glad you brought up global warming because I was going to ask you two more questions in this segment. Uh, we're talking to Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform, is about the Green New Deal. You know, this has been revived. We kind of knew it would be when, when Kamala Harris, who, who supported it and was its sponsor on the Senate side, along with AOC on the House side. Um, the Green New Deal is back in play, and whether it is pushed through as one massive $93 trillion boondoggle, which is unlikely because that number is, would scare even Marxists, uh, but piecemeal is, is what I'm afraid afraid of are you concerned or rather how concerned are you that they're going to push forward each of these little green new deal plans uh on a on a you know one by one basis uh that is exactly the plan uh keep in mind they want to put 80 billion dollars into hiring more irs agents the irs is unionized the union there gives 97 percent of their money to uh democrats so when you put 80 billion dollars in higher more pay for more unionized irs agents who kick back Two percent of their uh, income in, in uh, union dues. That's 1.6 billion dollars that flows back into the Democratic Party. Already today, the union in the post in the uh, uh, IRS union and post office too, but in the IRS union, they have official time, which is people who work full time for the union. Not they get paid by the government by us as taxpayers, but they get paid to work at the IRS. But they actually do union work. Union work can be working on a campaign. So that's 500,000 hours that's basically donated to the modern Democratic Party and the left out of the IRS. They're now going to do the same thing by hiring hundreds of thousands more teachers union members. Of course they you are. You put 2%. Take a look at every one of those numbers they get. 2% will cycle through the union back to the Democratic Party. This is designed to create a structure and a political machine a that can fund. overrun the American people. They remember back in the 30s and 40s, when the Republicans never held the House or the Senate for decades in a row. That's, those are the good old days. Yeah. When you had one-party rule in Congress, 
that's what they want, and they have to buy it. Well, that's yeah, that, that's why that's why the uh, uh, you know HR one is so important to them they, to federalize American elections because they want to make sure the states can't actually have free and fair elections in which votes that count count and votes that don't count aren't counted uh, because they do they see a, foresee a very long if not perpetual in perpetuity uh, cycle of of simple one party rule if they can control the elections. Last question for you, Grover, on taxes. This is just um, you know he, he talked about education. The, you know the new American Families Plan, the new one point eight trillion or whatever this part is, uh, free uh, uh, preschool for every child three to four years of age, and then, of course, free four-year college for everybody. K through eight, or excuse me, K through 12 is no longer enough, Biden said. He said, that's why my American Families Plan guarantees four additional years of public education for every person in America starting as early as we can. Two, two things come to mind. Number one, obviously the cost of that. Actually, three things. Number two, the idea that every person in America wants or is college wants to go or is college material is just insane. And then number three, I do understand, given the fact that colleges have become the indoctrination factories that continue to push the uh, progressive Marxist uh, agenda, you can see why they would all want them in there for four years. Why Biden would want them in there for four years so that they can continue to become, uh, you know, pushers of that narrative into their adult years. Okay, uh, back in 1965, LBJ created the Great Society, and all this federal money was going to go into education and do all the things that Biden now says it's going to take another two years at the beginning, another four years at the end. You know what? They took all that money. The education standards in this country have declined, have fallen, gotten worse with more money, higher paid, higher unionized, and higher pensioned uh, workers. And instead of trying to figure out why does homeschooling seem to get all the guys that win the spelling bees? Why do private schools cost a fraction of public schools? Why do we not have competition in schools the way we do in supermarkets or anything that matters to us in life? You have competition. Uh, instead, you say there's a local monopoly. You will go to that school. What if they did that? You know, the Soviet Union used to do that with supermarkets. That didn't work out too well. Um, so we have been here before. It is just as the Great Society spent about 17 trillion dollars to accomplish well go and take a look people smarter people better educated more well-read can they do math better than they used to or are they just throwing more money to have more government workers and as you said four more years of public education meaning government education meaning not a private college which might be innovative or what they're doing now with their schools that if you you show up and you say we will teach you how to code okay and when I talked to one guy who was running a thousand kids through, and I said, "We charge you nothing, but if, and we get you a job, we guarantee you a job at fifty thousand dollars a year at the end of this, and we want like two percent of your salary for twenty years, and that's that's the way you pay us back, but nothing down, or you can pay us up front, and if we don't get you that job for fifty thousand dollars, you pay nothing, we give you your money back. So this is money back guarantee. When does University of Massachusetts do that? They get paid based on how successful you are and how this has bettered your ability to raise to, to, to have money to support your family. And they take a very small fraction, and not forever, uh, but it's enough to work it through. And I said, well, can this be scaled? Because this sounds pretty impressive. He said, we're doing 4,000 people next year. I said, how many competitors you got? He said, nine. So these things are happening in the private sector that mm-hmm. actually are beginning, they were held back by stupid government rules, by the way. Uh, and now, instead of saying, where's the Uber and Lyft? For public education, 
which is staring us in the face with homeschooling right. and private schools and Catholic schools and, uh, and pods and so on. As many as 10% of American people homeschooled during this period. I don't know whether that'll stay up there. It used to be a 2 to 3%. But there's some real opportunities for real education reform. And this is an effort to squash that, hire more unionized government employees, yep. with pensions we can't afford, um, and explain to me why in another four years... Coffers. Yep. Yeah, to, to pad their so, own coffers, it, and I apologize, I, we're, we're out of time here, Grover, but uh, but also, you know, the other part of that is, uh, you know, the, the more the more kids that they can keep in school, there is education reform, but it's in the form of critical race theory, and it's in the form of the LGBTQ and Equality Act agenda, and all of these kinds of things to turn out good little, uh, you know, foot soldiers, uh, yeah. you know, jackbooting uh, to the, uh, you know, to the lead of the, the Democrats in, uh, in, uh, in the Congress. Grover Norquist. Homeschooling uh, is a threat to that. It is very much is. The problem is not enough parents know how to homeschool. That's the real issue. I know there are a lot who wish they could, but either they work or even if they don't work, they don't know the material and it's hard for them to be able to teach and spend that time with their kids. Because I know there is a strong movement toward homeschooling, but there's just not enough of the hundreds of millions of families. It's a piece of the puzzle. It is. It is a piece. Grover, thanks so much for the great work you do. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, 9.53. We'll get out and come back on AM 1420 The Answer. Otto Ross Real Estate. Hi, I'm Robin Swoboda. Allow me to introduce you to Colette Guided Touring, where your only job is to have the time of your life. Well, you have to pack, but that's it. And I hope you will pack your bags and join me on Colette's Danube River Cruise, featuring the Oberammergau Passion Play, which is only performed once every decade. Cruise through breathtaking scenery, stop in quaint villages and lively cities, and see the spectacular performance of the Oberammergau Passion Play, all on the trip of a lifetime on the beautiful Danube River. This will happen in the company of the top tour managers in the business. And me, I'll bring pictures of my granddaughter. (laughs) Just kidding. Colette seriously makes travel easy and fulfilling. All the details, flights, meals, hotels, sightseeing, and local experiences taken care of. Your only job is to have the time of your life. Don't miss out. Learn more. Visit 955thefish.com or call 855-419-1294. The number again, 855-419-1294. All right. 958, so short segment here before the top of the hour. Uh, looks like we're going to be guest-free for the rest of the hour, or the rest of the program, rather. Dr. Everett Piper has the day off. He is uh, doing a book tour speaking event today. Uh, we were going to talk to Paris Denard from the RNC, but the RNC c- couldn't get its act together uh, in- to save their lives. Uh, they're just they're just embarrassing. So we're not going to have anybody on at 1010, so we're going to have you for on 1010 until the end of the program. So 216-901-0945 and 888 one eleven ten, and just because, as I said at the top of the show, they play or they don't play. It's when they have to do it. They have the rebuttal to the State of the Union address, or in this case, it wasn't a State of the Union, but a uh, first joint session of Congress speech from uh, bumbling and mumbling Joe Biden to uh, to the Congress. The rebuttal to that was delivered by Tim Scott. And Senator Tim Scott hit a home run. The problem is it's on after the speech, and by that time so many people have turned it off, they forget to turn it back on and hear him. I want to give you little pieces of this as the morning goes on. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. Today, kids are being taught that the color of their skin defines them again. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. 
From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. And it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. We will dig deeper inside Senator Tim Scott's words after the news right here on AM 1420. The